Mad Beef is kept going and growing by generous support from Skater HQ. Bill and the team have been heavily involved in the inline skating community since 1991 and continue to support competitions, skaters, and now a podcast. You can visit Skater HQ at one of their Sydney shops or shop online at skaterhq.com.au. Also, big thanks to our Patreon supporters. It really means a lot. If you want to become a patron of the podcast, find us on Patreon and pledge a monthly contribution. Even just $2 a month would be a huge encouragement. Hi, and welcome to Mad Beef, the Australian Rollerblading Podcast. This is Mikey Lynch, and in this episode, I want to share with you what I stumbled across an awesome and extended skating scene in a classic of Russian literature, Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy. Now, this isn't rollerblading or roller skating, it is ice skating, but hey, skating is skating, and you know, a lot of the same love, the same feeling, and even tricks. <laughs> Um, overlap with the two and it's just cool to see like a a long description of a skating sport um, in literature you don't see that very often do you so this is from part one of Anna Karenina um, and chapter nine at four o'clock his heart pounding Levin got out of a cab at the zoological gardens and walked up the path to the toboggan slopes and skating rink, knowing for certain that he would find her there because he had seen the Cherbatsky's carriage at the entrance. It was a clear, frosty day. Rows of policemen and rows of carriages and sleighs, private and for hire, stood at the entrance. A crowd of smartly dressed people, none of them working class, their hats shining in the bright sunshine, swarmed round the entrance and along the pathways which had been cleared of snow between the little houses, decorated Russian style with carved eaves. The garden's ancient curly-headed birch trees, their branches weighed down with snow, seemed draped in new and festive vestments. <coughs> Excuse me. He walked along the path to the skating rink, saying to himself, You mustn't get worked up now. You must keep calm. What are you worrying about? What's wrong with you? Be quiet. Stupid, he said, addressing his own heart. And the more he tried to keep calm, the more breathless he became. Someone he knew hailed him, but Levin, or Leovin, um, failed even to recognise him. He came up to the toboggan slopes, where toboggans were raised and lowered on clanging chains and thundered as they rushed down, and there was a sound of merry voices. He took a few more steps. The skating rink appeared before him, and instantly he recognised her among all the other skaters. He knew that she was there by the joy and fear which seized his heart. She was standing, talking to a lady at the opposite end of the skating rink. There did not appear to be anything particularly striking about either her clothes or her posture, but for Leovan, it was as easy to pick her out in that crowd as to see a rose among nettles. Everything was lit up by her. She herself was a smile, shedding a light all around her. Can I really go over there, onto the ice, and come up to her? He wondered. The place where she was seemed to him an inaccessible holy of holies, and there was a moment when he almost went away, so awestruck did he feel. He had to force himself to reason that all sorts of people were walking past her, and that he himself might have come there too in order to skate. He stepped down on the ice, trying not to look at her for too long at a time, as one avoids looking at the sun, but 
Like the sun, he saw her without looking at her. People, all belonging to the same set, who all knew each other, usually foregathered on the ice on that day of the week and at that time of the day. Crack skaters showing off and beginners pushing chairs with timid, awkward movements. And boys and elderly people skating for the sake of their health. They were all there. To Leovan, they all seemed to be the select few, fortunate because they were there, close to her. Yet they were all skating up and down past her, apparently with utter unconcern. They even spoke to her and enjoyed themselves quite independently of her, taking advantage of the excellent condition of the ice and the good weather. Nikolai Shabatsky, Kitty's cousin, in a short jacket and narrow trousers, was sitting on a bench with his skates on and, seeing Leovan, called out to him, Ah, the foremost Russian skating champion. Have you been here long? The ice is splendid. Put on your skates. I haven't even got my skates, Leovan replied, amazed at his own daring and ease of manner in her presence, and not losing sight of her for a second, although he was not even looking at her. He felt that the sun was drawing nearer to him. She was turning a corner and, skating towards him, her slender little feet in their high boots placed at an obtuse angle, obviously feeling nervous. A boy in a Russian shirt, desperately waving his arms and stooping low, overtook her. She did not skate very steadily. Taking her hands out of a little muff, which was hanging on a cord, she held them out in case of need and, looking at Leovan, whom she had recognised, she smiled at him and at her own fear. When she turned the corner, she gave herself a push with one small, resilient foot and skated straight up to Shabatsky, clutched onto him and nodded at Leovan with a smile. She was even more lovely than he had imagined. Whenever he thought of her, he conjured up a vivid picture of her, and especially the delightful little head, fair-haired and so lightly poised on her shapely girlish shoulders and her expression of childlike serenity and goodness. Her childlike expression, in conjunction with the beauty of her slender figure, constituted her special charm, which he well remembered. But what always surprised him about her, with the force of the unexpected, was the expression of her eyes, gentle, calm and honest, and especially her smile, which always transported Leovan into a magical world where he was overwhelmed with feelings of tenderness and affection such as he remembered sometimes experiencing in early childhood. Have you been here long? she said, holding out her hand to him. Thank you so much, she added, as he picked up her handkerchief which had fallen out of her muff. Me? I, I've just come. I came yesterday. Today, I, I mean, Leovan replied emotion preventing him from immediately understanding her question. I was meaning to visit you, he said, and remembering suddenly the intention behind his visit was covered with confusion and blushed. I didn't know you could skate, and skate so well. She looked at him attentively, as if wishing to understand the reason for his embarrassment. Your praise is a compliment indeed. There's a tradition here that you are a first-class skater, she said, with her small, black-gloved hand shaking off some crystals of hoar-frost which had fallen on her muff. Yes, I loved skating passionately once upon a time. I wanted to achieve perfection at it. You do everything passionately, it seems, she said, smiling. I do so much want to see how you skate. Do put on your skates and let's skate together. Skate together? Is it really possible? Thought Leovan, looking at her. 
I'll get some at once, he said, and off he went to get some skates. We haven't seen you here for a long time, sir, said the attendant, holding up Leovan's foot and screwing the skate onto the heel. None of the other gentlemen are up to your standard. Is that all right, like that, he said, tightening the strap. Fine, fine, hurry up, please, answered Leovan, with difficulty restraining a smile of happiness which was appearing on his face in spite of himself. Yes, he thought, this is life, this is happiness. Together, she said, let's skate together. Shall I tell her now? But after all, that's just what I'm afraid to tell her because now I'm happy, happy if only in hope. But after? But I must, all the same, I must, I must, none of this weakness. Leovan stood up and took off his coat and, taking a run over the rough ice by the hut, shot out onto the smooth ice and began skating effortlessly, quickening and slackening speed and steering himself as if by willpower alone. He approached her timidly, but again her smile reassured him. She gave him her hand and off they went, side by side, going faster and faster, and the faster they went, the tighter she gripped his arm. I should soon learn with you. Somehow I feel confidence in you, she told him. And I have confidence in myself when you lean on me, he said. But then he immediately took fright at what he'd said and blushed. And indeed, no sooner had he said those words than suddenly, as if the sun had gone behind a cloud, her face lost all its sweetness, and Leovan recognised the familiar play of her face which signified concentrated thought a little wrinkle broke out on her smooth forehead. There's nothing wrong, is there? However, I have no right to ask, he said quickly. Why? No, there's nothing wrong, she replied coldly, and then at once added, You haven't seen Mademoiselle Linon, have you? No, not yet. Go and speak to her, she's so fond of you. What's this? I vexed her. Oh, Lord, help me, thought Leovan, and skated up to an elderly Frenchwoman with her grey ringlets who was sitting on a bench smiling and showing her false teeth. She greeted him as an old friend. Yes, you see, we're growing up, she said to him, glancing at Kitty, and we're growing older. The tiny bear has already become a big one, the Frenchwoman continued, laughing, and she reminded him of the joke he had once made about the three girls whom he had called the three bears after whom he had called the three bears after the English fairy story. Do you remember how you used to call her that? He had not the faintest recollection of it, but she had been laughing over this same joke for at least ten years, and she was very fond of it. Well, off you go. You go and skate. Our kitty is beginning to skate well now, isn't she? When Leovan skated up to Kitty again, her face was no longer stern. Her eyes looked at him as frankly and sweetly as ever, but it seemed to Leovan that her sweetness had a particular, deliberate calmness about it, and he felt sad. After she'd talked about her old governess, about her oddities, she asked him about his life. Don't you really feel bored in the country in the winter, she said. No, I'm not bored. I'm very busy he said, feeling that she was imposing her own quiet tone on him and that he would not have the strength to throw it off, just as it had been the beginning of the winter. Will you be here for long? Kitty asked him. I don't know, he replied, not thinking of what he was saying. The thought occurred to him that if he were to yield to her tone of calm friendship, he would again go away without anything being settled, 
and he decided to rebel against it. How do you mean you don't know? I don't know. It depends on you, he said, and was instantly appalled at his own words. She either did not hear or did not want to hear what he had said, but she seemed to stumble, stamped her foot twice, and hurriedly skated away from him. She skated up to Mademoiselle Lillon, said something to her, and went off towards the hut where the ladies took off their skates. Oh, God, what have I done? Oh, Lord, help me. Guide me, Leovan prayed, at the same time feeling a need for violent movement. He skated round, cutting outside and inside edges as he went. At that moment, a young man, the best skater of the new generation, came out of the cafe wearing skates, a cigarette in his mouth. He took a run and came down the steps on his skates, rattling and bouncing. He flew down and, without even altering the easy way he was holding his arms, skated onto the ice. Ah, that's a new trick, said Leovan. And there and then he ran up to the steps to try it. Don't kill yourself, it needs practice, Nikolai Shabatsky called after him. Leovan went to the top of the steps, took as long a run as he could, and came down, balancing himself with his arms in this unfamiliar mo movement. On the last step, he caught his foot, but almost touching the ice with his hand, he made a violent effort, recovered his balance, and skated on, laughing. He's an idea, he is nice, thought Kitty at that instant as she came out of the hut with Mademoiselle Linon, looking at him with a smile of quiet affection as if it a favourite brother. And is it really my fault? Did I really behave badly? They say I'm a flirt. I know that it's not him I love, but all the same, it is fun being with him and he's such a dear. Only why did he say that? She thought. When he saw Kitty going away with her mother, who had met her on the steps, Leo Van flushed from his rapid exercise, stopped and thought for a moment. He took off his skates, caught up mother and daughter at the entrance to the gardens. So nice to see you, said the princess. We're at home on Thursdays as usual. Today, that is. We shall be delighted to see you, said the princess curtly. Her curtness distressed Kitty, who couldn't resist a desire to make amends for her mother's coldness. She looked back and said with a smile, Au revoir. <laughs> oh, there you go. It's cool, isn't it? Having such a long extended scene describing rink skating, trick skating, romance at the skating rink, and so on. Anyway, that's it for today. Cheers. Mad Beef Rollerblading Podcast is produced by Mikey Lynch. Theme music by Edifice Architect. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher, and get in touch with us on our Facebook page. Mad Beef is supported by Skater HQ. You can find them online at skaterhq.com.au. We are also supported by our growing number of Patreon patrons. To support the podcast, find us on Patreon. Even just $2 a month, every little bit helps.